So, welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. I am Mark. And I'm Derek. And we are here with, who are we here with? Issa. Hey, how's it going, guys? Where, where, where would people know Issa from? <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. Sorry, I've been doing uh, I've been doing other, like, different kinds of podcasts, not hardcore podcasts, and so I <laughs> forgot. I'm Issa Good Clean Fun. Yeah, and, uh, or Mister Isa, I believe, uh, is what it's what I prefer to be called. <laughs> it's been a long time, you know. What are you? <laughs> should hey. we start this over? No, we're yeah. good. We're good. Yeah, you should have said from Fort Knox instead. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> also, also from Fort Knox. <laughs> your your greatest band ever, the greatest band ever, Fort Knox. <laughs> Straight edge hip hop almost took off from from Fort Knox. Almost, yeah. but not quite. Oh, it was close. Yeah. I got the CD here still somewhere, somewhere. Um, I think I have like a box full in my closet. So. <laughs> nice. You need to get those on like something. <laughs> Kids will buy it up. Kids buy up everything these days. Was there not two releases? No, there was just one. Yeah. Oh. It was just, it was a, a European label put out uh, a CD. Okay. The murder capital, man. Yeah, yeah, there's some there's some like <laughs> demo tracks and unreleased stuff floating around. Actually, it's actually the best cast. I don't know if we're already off topic, but the one of the the most amazing things to me is that uh, we managed to not some of those songs managed to never get released. Like no one ha- like we did some stuff with Ray Capo, yeah. and the fact <laughs> that that has not seen the light of the day, the light of day, like thirty years later, is kind of the most incredible thing that's ever happened. Like that needs to be out on a seven inch. I something. know that it's, would sell immediately. Okay, it's, gonna have to, it's gonna have to get released someday. Totally. So who has it? Just you three? I apparently, yeah. I, oh, I mean, wow. it's just weird because you would think someone would have had a bootleg of it or something, you know. But yeah. managed to stay out of the public eye. So. You need to send me some of those tracks. Man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't done that, and that's. I think that's why it never never got out there. So cook a brother up. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I need to go through some old tapes and see if I can I can like transfer some digital tapes over and stuff and see see what I can find. You know, sounds good. So well, out of the three, who is the best? Would you say? Well, so I don't rap. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, we've all heard Ray rap on Shelter Records. Yes. Right? <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna go with Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, some Ray rap and shade. That's right. you just, oh, you just, know, I mean, you just, I I love Ray, and I I actually I love Shelter, so I'm not I'm I'm not dissing uh, I'm not dissing Shelter, but uh, you know, Ken, Ken was the rapper of the group. Definitely, yeah. I'm hoping to have Ken on this podcast soon. He agreed. He said he'd come on early next month. So hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, he will chat with me on this podcast. So. I'm sure he will. <laughs> awesome. So okay. So we're gonna start here. We usually start with like how you got into like hardcore and stuff, but okay. give us give us your best Buffalo story since you're not a Buffalo since you're not a Buffalo person. Give us your okay. best Buffalo. My story. favorite Buffalo story is we played a show there. I don't even remember when it was. It was probably like the late '90s, and uh, there you know there were like seven or eight of us on tour, and someone said we could stay at their house. So after the show, I mean, I'm not. This isn't even a story about the show. This is 100 percent a story about the house we stayed in after yeah. the show. So. We get to this house 
Or on the way home, we stop at the grocery store. We we all looked, we were all vegan and back in like, you know, even in, in Buffalo, which was close to Syracuse, there's still back in the 90s, it wasn't like, you know, there wasn't like 20 vegan restaurants to choose from on every corner, right? Yeah. So we, we were really good at like going to grocery stores and cooking. And a bunch of us, some of us like to cook. And we had a couple people with us, uh, especially uh, one guy named Stefan, who really liked to clean. And so we were really good about like showing up at someone's house, making a big meal and then cleaning up really well afterwards. Cause I, I just want to add that because I feel like most punk bands, if you think about them, like cooking in your kitchen, you kind of expect to come home to your kitchen destroyed. But we were like, we were, we were in, we were out. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So we go to the grocery store, we pick up a bunch of food and there was uh, and it might've been a Wegmans and we might've been all excited that we went to a Wegmans for the first time. Cause that, that was a Buffalo thing, right? Was yeah. it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think this might've been our first Wegmans experience too. So anyway, we get a bunch of food. We go back to some, this person's house and, and I wish I remembered everybody's name, but I don't remember whose house it was now. Um, and uh, we, we make, no one's there, right? Like his roommates weren't there or something. Mm-hmm. So we make, uh, we make some food, we eat some food and then we get woken up. We all go to bed and we get woken up in the morning by someone freaking out. And now, you know, this was 25 years ago. I don't remember all the details. So I'm just going to give you the highlights here. But basically she thought we'd eaten all her food. Like she, I I guess like, I don't know how this got communicated. She didn't know that people were going to be staying at the house and she comes home and there's like, you know, eight guys like lying on her room or whatever. And she thinks we've eaten all this food of hers. Right. Mm-hmm. So she freaks out. She's super upset. She's like, you know, get out of my house. I'm calling the cops. Like, like real bad. Right. Like our, I guess whoever we were staying with or had been invited by wasn't home anymore. They'd gone to work or whatever it was they were doing the next day. So we're like, all right, you know, we're leaving. Your roommate said we could stay, whatever. We're sorry. We didn't eat your food. (laughs) So, uh, but she was like really mad. I'm not really accurately describing how upset this woman was. So as we're leaving, I snuck out and I snuck out of the van and put like a big bumper sticker of good, clean fun on her car. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I, she didn't see me do it. And I don't know how long she drove around with that bumper sticker, but I like to think that it was like, you know, she did it for a while. And then someone was like, Oh, I didn't know you were a good, clean, fun fan. And then she went crazy again, you know? So <laughs> that was, uh, that's my Buffalo story. <laughs> Why did you not stay with me? It became the Buffalo. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Where were you? Why didn't you put us up? Why didn't you save us from this, this uh, crazy situation? I, I don't know. <laughs> I know you stayed with me once or maybe twice in Buffalo, and the one time you stayed at my I think we stayed with you the time our our van broke down. Yeah, I think, well, I think I remember you, everyone stayed in the apartment, but you slept in the van for some reason. Because we had cats. Yeah, because we had cats. So you slept in the van, which. Yeah, I spent many, many a night in freezing weather sleeping in the van. I was not to be allergic. You know, that's that's how punk I was. Very dedicated. (laughs) Sleeping in vans. Yeah, <laughs> nice. All right, so that's a good Buffalo story. Buffalo, you know, it's, it's cool. <laughs> so I wonder this person maybe, was. You know what? I I should go a step farther. I feel like I've told that story a bunch of times, but I've never actually found the person. I would love to talk to her today, <laughs> and we'd have a good laugh about it. You know, like yeah. I want to hear the the punchline. I want to hear like what happened when she found out about the sticker. Right. So if you're yeah, listening, to whatever, out, yeah. you're gonna, reach <laughs> yeah. out to Mark and get in touch with me. Yeah, we yeah. need to figure this out. I think we really need to figure this out. Yeah. So let's. Put the word out. Totally. Did someone stay at your house? Did Good Clean Fun stay at your house in Buffalo in the late 90s? Yeah. Maybe it was even 2000. I don't know. It was around that time period. Yeah. Anyway. 
All right, Isa. So you did you grow you grew up in DC? I did. Yeah, I, I I moved around a little bit when I was a kid, but then from like you know grade school on, I lived in DC. Uh, and then in let's see, so I was a little too young for like the Discord, the original. You know, I missed Minor Threat and Bad Brains and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, I got into hardcore. I mean, I started going to shows. I guess my first show was Government Issue, mm. uh, and it was like you know mid eighties. Um, and I was too young to really appreciate any of the stuff that was going on. There was all sorts of great stuff going on in DC. Mm. Uh, looking back, my biggest regret of my teenage years is that I was like, I missed out on Fugazi because I was like, I was like the idiot kid in the back yelling, play a minor threat song, you know, <laughs> and, you know, whatever. I was like 15 or whatever. So I'll give myself a break, but it was like, uh, you know, I, so I was born in 1972. So I was 16 in 1988 when, when mm. Fugazi sort of hit the DC scene. Yeah, uh, and it was—I mean—they played constantly. Like it was like you saw them all over the city. They were playing in parks. They were playing, you know, everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and they were really good. But all I wanted to hear was Minor Threat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that makes sense. Um, it was DC was just a great scene to grow up in. And then we we really like so it was weird because there were like there was like the DC Discord scene, and then there was like the DC hardcore scene, which mm -hmm. was mostly like all the New York bands coming down, like the Revelation bands coming down and playing mm -hmm. the weekend. So, and it was like, I wasn't, I was like a little out of touch. Like I had friends who were like really into hardcore and like knew everything that was going on in every band from every city. Um, I would just show up to the Safari club and see what band was playing that day. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was more, more my attitude, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great time to, to be going to shows. It was a really great scene. Uh, and then when I was uh, 19, I moved to Atlanta to open a recording studio. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine had moved down there and and he knew some guys that had tried to build a studio but had run out of money. And he was like, hey, you can come rent this place and like you and your girlfriend can live in the apartment in the back. And it's like $400 a month or something. <laughs> and, I, cool. you know, and that for people today, that seems insane. But even, you know, 30 years ago, that was really cheap. Uh, yeah. DC is super expensive. Atlanta was super cheap. This was before the Olympics and stuff. So it was mm -hmm. like 400 bucks a month for a warehouse record. Like it wasn't a warehouse, but a big recording studio and a two bedroom apartment. You know, it was like insane. So I was like, all right, well, I got to do that. I wasn't really stoked to move down south. Um, that was uh, that was interesting. But I've got, you know, it was an interesting experience. Atlanta's fine. Everything yeah. around is not so great, but Atlanta, fine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. And then there was like a scene there that was sort of like, uh, it was sort of more of like, I almost think of it as like a California scene. Like everyone really liked like bad religion um, and, and kind of like some LA bands. Uh, and then, and then I actually had the pleasure of introducing a bunch of people to like New York hardcore bands, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and there were a lot of really good local bands and we had a really great local scene and it was very small and everyone was friends. And, you know, it was one of those scenes where like, you had to have a show where it was like a punk band and then a ska band and then like, you know, a hardcore band or whatever, because yeah. there's just enough people to have three separate scenes or whatever. Yeah. So you get a bit of everything. And that's, that's always kind of nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, at that time, I believe that's when Mark and I met online mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> on the straight edge mailing list. Oh yeah. CSXC-L. That's right. <laughs> the straight edge list, AKA mailed to the X. <laughs> to the X. <laughs> I was just talking about this the other day, but it's uh, this was a listserv, which is like, you know, you email a thing and then it bounces the email back to everyone in who's a member. Yeah. And so, you know, this was like the very early days of the internet. 
And uh, it's how all the straight edge kids kept in touch. Yeah. And, um, so Mark, you know, Mark and I are pretty old school. So yeah, uh, we, we go way back, you know, that was, <laughs> way back. Yeah, that was like 1993 or something. So yeah. Was, um, and uh, let's see. So, so yeah, did a bunch of hardcore stuff in Atlanta, had a recording studio, recorded a bunch of hardcore bands. A- Atlanta was cool. It was like, I, there was like the little hardcore scene. And then all the recordings I did were either hip hop or like rock. Like mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta had like a uh, really great music scene. I mean, there was like, there were all so many different genres. I mean, there was like the Indigo Girls were happening at that time. Like that <laughs> mm-hmm. was going on. Like lesbian folk guitar players was was like big in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and then there was like a huge hip hop scene, and then there was also like a, a rock scene. Like uh, I recorded this one, uh, I recorded this one band that was basically Bon Jovi. Like they had the hair, and like, they, it yeah. was, it was, I mean, they had like the drummer had like the huge kit. It was it was fantastic. So nice. There was that was a lot of fun. So I did that for a few years, and then uh, I started going on tour, running sound with some punk bands, like with Battery and and a bunch of DC bands, like basically Ken all of Ken Olden's bands, right? Battery. Yeah. Battery, Battery, Battery. Battery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know and and got to tour a lot uh you know all over like the u.s and europe and i'd always wanted to have my own band so uh you know but i was terrible at everything like i was always i was always like music adjacent but i was never a very good musician you know yeah. um and so uh you know tried a few different bands that were all bad and then i think like it kind of worked out really well i was on tour in europe uh with i think it was with battery and then after the tour, I spent a month in Holland, staying just staying with some friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like th- some of them were musicians, and I was like, "Hey, let's start a band or whatever." And so I wrote a few songs for it, and those were the first four Good Clean Fun songs at the end. <laughs> of the day. So, um, so it was like t- I guess it was like December 1996. Mm-hmm. I spent in in Arnhem, Holland. Didn't see the sun one time. It was cloudy the whole time I was there. <laughs> Um, and wrote like uh, the first Good Clean Fun seven inch, and then I came home and started the band. <laughs> so, so was it? Fun. Did you write? So you wrote your music and words, or just words? Yeah, yeah. No, I wrote. I wrote everything. I was. I, I think there was. So uh, the one, <laughs> the the super heavy mosh part from the song "Beat the Meat" was written by my friend Jasper, who's from Holland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there was like one other riff in a song that was written by another. Uh, one of the guys who played guitar, uh, John Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so aside from those two parts of the songs, I wrote everything else. <laughs> oh, really? Was, yeah, Good Clean Fun is like exactly what I wanted a hardcore band to sound like. And and I'm sure there are people who would who would who were in the band who would complain that I didn't let them have any creative input whatsoever. So <laughs> they would probably good. complain very loudly about that. But it was sort of like my brainchild in terms of like like this is what I think hardcore should sound like. It's like all my favorite bands stuck together. Yeah. Okay, so I know you went, you went on, you gave us like the whole history of everything so far. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm you, sorry, you, what was the question? The question went pretty long, but are you doing? <laughs> how did you actually get into hardcore? Like, how, like what was oh, like? Okay. All right, let's go so, there. All right, next time, cut me off if I go off on my life story. Okay, oh, okay. it's all good. It's all, all good. good. <laughs> Just like give them enough rope. Um, okay, so. How actually the how I got into hardcore story I love the story it's uh, and I should have just told this one instead but uh, Ken Olden and I started we we were into like uh, we we kind of he came to my school in seventh grade and we just kind of became friends and we were really into like Depeche Mode and Duran Duran and The Cure and those those bands and then uh, 
we both sort of gotten into like the clash and the sex pistols and some punkier bands. And then I remember getting the repo man soundtrack. And that was sort of like my gateway to, to slightly more underground punk. That was like suicidal tendencies, institutionalized the circle jerks. Um, and that sort of, and black flag and that sort of, uh, that sort of started me going down that path. And then Ken and I used to walk to the local record store and we'd each buy a record. We'd come back to my house or, and uh, we'd, I'd tape his record and he would tape my record. So we got both records, um, you know, piracy back in the day. Uh, <laughs> and so we bought a bunch of really bad records. Like, <laughs> like just, we were like two little kids going to the store, looking through records. And this was a skip Gross record store in DC uh, or in Rockville, Maryland. And, uh, and we would just, you know, we would just look through, we would look through the record labels and or through the records and be like, Oh, I think I saw someone who looked cool wearing this shirt or whatever. And we bought that. <laughs> right. And almost all of it was terrible. Um, and then one day Ken bought some exploited record and I bought the crew and, uh, you know, seven seconds instantly became a favorite band. I just, I remember so distinctly the moment when like, we put in Ken's tape, hit record, the needle dropped on the crew. And I was just like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> and yeah. that became like my favorite thing. And then we bought all the bands on the thanks list for the crew. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then just kind of went from there. And I think like, kind of strangely, like parallel to all this, I'd known about minor threat because uh, the, the, they were older than me, but they went to my school or a couple mm-hmm. of them went to my school. And so I had kids in my grade who had older siblings that were all about minor threat. And I remember very distinctly getting a ride to the roller skating rink from my friend. I had a friend named Josh and his older brother, Chris, drove us to the roller skating rink one Saturday night because that's what kids did back then. Uh, And he was playing minor threat in the car. He was in some band back in the day. Um, And I remember thinking, like, what the hell is this noise? (laughs) <laughs> uh, but but being like oh that's cool because you know they were cool or whatever right yeah, yeah. Uh, and then i kind of rediscovered it later obviously uh but yeah so that was pretty much it seven seconds the crew was the record that really got me into hardcore yeah cool that's a that's that's a good story there yeah. how old were you then uh i mean we must have been about 15 yeah like 14 or 15 like eighth or ninth grade somewhere somewhere in there yeah that's cool yeah good to know man good to hear (laughs) so 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 go go on go on derek sorry uh, i was just gonna ask like uh did you go to school for recording and like sound engineering and all that or no not at all i dropped out of high school when i was 15 um and i meant to go to college but i never got around to it i just was always like uh you know, like I said, I was never really like a, a a very good musician. Like I couldn't, I was totally tone deaf until I was like 16 or something. Like I'd been playing guitar for a few years, but I was still totally tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I eventually like taught myself to, to kind of hear <laughs> different notes and stuff. Um, but like, I was always very technical. And so I liked like keyboards. I, you know, Depeche Mode was one of my favorite bands that I might've mentioned earlier. So I really liked keyboards. And I remember, uh, you know, buying like a sampler and buying some like a four track recorder and stuff. And I just sort of bought more and more equipment. And then one day, like to record my own stuff. And then one day someone was like, hey, if we pay you, can you record us? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, and I would just I was in I turned my mother's basement into a recording studio and we just had bands come record there, Um, which was pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I just sort of bought more and more equipment. And then, uh, you know, I, so 
it, it's kind of weird. I I meant to go. So you have to picture me being 15, really uh, enjoying music and wanting to be a physicist. That was like my my goal. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a physicist. And and then I I kind of switched schools and I, like I went to a private school. It's a, the super short version is my my dad was a was worked at the International Monetary Fund and he was from West Africa and they the the International Monetary Fund pays for foreign national kids to go to private school. So I got to go to this like super ritzy private school in DC with like, you know, senators kids and stuff. Um and then my parents got divorced, my dad left the country and I had to go to public school and I was just like this is stupid and I wasn't really learning anything or or whatever. So I found out that you can get your GED when you turn 16 but you have to be in school for 6 months. So I immediately dropped out of school when I was 15 and a half. Yeah. Uh, and then got my GED when I turned 16 and my plan was to go to community college, get my 2-year degree and then go to a 4-year school with my friends or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, but then I got into music and and I was like, yeah, community college is going to be stupid. So yeah. uh, <laughs> So, so much for that. But then that was, and then, you know, luckily it worked out really well because I was a big computer nerd my whole life. So once I was done, uh, you know, basically once I got married, had a kid and had to get a real job, I was able to get a computer job that was like, you know, you, no one cared that I hadn't gone to college or whatever, you know, like the stuff I do didn't exist when I would have gone to college. So, yeah. So it kind of worked out, <laughs> but you know, a little touch and go there for a little while on the, on the finances. <laughs> Switching from uh, from professional punk to like parent is is a little difficult, you know. Professional <laughs> punk, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was your studio in Atlanta called Sleepless Nights? Yeah, yeah. So, did you record? Did you record a chokehold record? I did. Yeah. Which chokehold record did you record? If you remember, uh, let's see. I think I recorded two. Mm-hmm. although i could be i could be remembering wrong yeah. uh i definitely did the one that mike warden put out on uh okay. whatever his stupid record label was called conquer the world yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and and it was like a cd and he messed up the mastering and so it was all just like one track that wasn't my fault i just want to throw that out there <laughs> Fair um, <enough>. and <laughs> He did that multiple times too. <laughs> Dude, that guy was I don't even let's not even go there. But yeah. <laughs> so you think you might have done the other one another one too? I honestly can't remember. This this is kind of embarrassing, but I think we I think they it might have just been the one record. I d I don't remember. So the question was you know what I think it was? I think they played a festival or something in Atlanta and we might have just recorded a couple songs, but then yeah. they also so the question is, like, how did they? End, how does a band from Hamilton, Ontario, end up in Atlanta to record? Uh, that was thanks to Mike Fight. He was uh, he was friends with them from something. I don't know what. Yeah, and I don't know how they met. You should have him on your podcast uh, one day. <laughs> <laughs> He's big time now, though. Uh, uh, and uh he he he'd gone on tour with them in europe maybe that was after i don't remember but yeah. they were friends and he was like hey you should come record in atlanta yeah i mean it sounds like a really stupid idea when you say it all out loud right now you know what yeah. i mean like driving all the way down to atlanta from hamilton ontario like that, that <laughs> yeah. seems like a lot but yeah yeah but it's cool yeah. though. No, i i recorded a couple bands from buffalo but that was in dc um did you record and- control you did yeah, control. Yeah. yeah, troll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> you no, know, they were very strange people who didn't like. Me. <laughs> Fair enough. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it, it went. I, I think it went fine. They. Uh, I. I don't remember all the details. They were mad because like I had a show I had to play one night or something. Yeah. And like it was. It was a very weird story. Like the. You know. I don't know. Whatever. It, I think it worked out okay. They. They were happy. <laughs> I mean, I think they were happy overall. Like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think all the control stuff came out good. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah, the control stuff was all all cool and stuff. Yeah, that was. I think he did the first thing for them that they did ten. He did ten inch, right? Right, Derek. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah the ten inch. I, so. was like, I don't know. There's a story that they almost died on the way to record. Yeah, they they went off they the road in Erie. They went. They yeah. ended up in a ditch near Erie. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there was some. I remember there was like we were tight on schedule, mm-hmm. and I. I think that probably has something to do with it. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but no, I uh, I had to go play a show, and I gave them. Uh, I've set them up with Ken to take over. Yeah, and Ken's a great engineer, so they they should have been totally happy about that, but they were not. So yeah, <laughs> interesting. I remember the story, but I, I I don't. I honestly don't remember the story. I just well, remember yeah. me being unhappy, but I can't remember. Why. I work with the bass player from the control. Nice. Tell them <laughs> so- I say what. The- I will. I'll probably, I'll probably, so you say what? <laughs> anyway, Tom, I think he's weird. <laughs> uh, Bill, Issa thinks you're weird. Uh... <laughs> anyway, no, I, I don't. I don't remember what the the beef was exactly. I think it was one of those things where I didn't even find out that there was beef until much later. You know what I mean? Like I read it in a scene or something. Like one of those kind of deals. <laughs> they used to happen a lot back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I didn't know you were pissed, man. Yeah. Luckily, I read your zine, and now we can talk about it. <laughs> Something like that. It's not like today, where like you know, if someone had a bad experience, they would like do an Instagram story about it or something, and then they totally. would, it'd be out in the world like immediately. Exactly. You know, back then, yeah, wait like six months for everything to happen. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so where were we? So, um, so good, clean, fun. So, like. I mean, Good Clean Fun played here. Did Good Clean Fun, like, tour from the get-go? Like, was it just uh, you guys were going to so fully we, tour the whole time? This is a great intro to someone else who doesn't like me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we it, originally the band, the first two people in the band was me and this guy named Seth, mm-hmm. uh, who, who was a great friend of mine. We were, we were friends. We hung out. Uh, and I was like, dude, I want to do this band. I've got these songs. He was like, hey, I have a couple ideas. We can, you know, let's do this, this, and this. And I was like, that sounds awesome. He's a school teacher. So we we actually, the, the original lineup of the band was, was uh, John Robinson, well, me and Seth, and then John Robinson was playing guitar, and P.D. McTurnan, the youngest McTurnan brother, was, mm-hmm. playing, uh, was playing drums. So, and uh, P.D.'s older brother, uh, Brian from Battery and, and Be Well these days, who's a great band everyone should check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, Mike McTurnan was a singer for Damnation AD. Yeah. So the little McTurnan, John Robinson, and uh, and Seth and I were the original band, right? And we played, we played, a, we played a couple shows, like a, a handful of shows, and they sort of went really well right away. <laughs> it was one of those things where like, you know, the hardcore scene is so is so funny in the sense that it's like you know it's all about who you know, <laughs> and it was like I was old enough when we started and knew enough people that I got us on some good shows just right away, mm-hmm. and I guess like you know people liked the demo and and so it it just worked out really well that our first few shows happened to be fantastic, mm-hmm. and so there was none of this like oh we're you know we have to play a bunch of bad shows and we don't want to do it it was like this is awesome we should do more of it you know <laughs> but uh sap only wanted to play he's a school teacher and only wanted to play shows on on saturday nights 
Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, we, you know, we took a, we took a trip down to Florida that was like, uh, you know, it was a, a Florida's like, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours away. Yeah. And, uh, and we did a weekend and we were, we felt very rushed and it was a lot of driving and stuff. And we were like, this is awesome. We should do this all the time. And Seth was like, no guys, I can only play shows on Saturdays. <laughs> and so we were like, well, the rest of us really want to do the band. You know, we want to tour. We, we have all these show offers. We want to take them. And so he quit and, and really was not happy about it. <laughs> like so it's it's a weird it's a weird situation i i really like seth but he definitely does not like me so we'll just, <laughs> it's a podcast i'm trying to uh bring up as much trash talk as possible to make it <laughs> but, um but yeah so so then we uh so i called up mike fight after seth quit and was like hey our bass player just quit come move to dc from santa barbara and come be in the band mm-hmm. um and he was like that sounds so cool, but I don't know how to play bass. And I said, <laughs> no problem. I'll teach you bass is really easy. <laughs> <laughs> like basically you don't even have to plug in, just jump around a lot on stage. You'll be fine. Right. So, uh, so Mike moved to DC um, and learned to play bass. He actually practiced very hard, very proud of him. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then we started touring all the time. And so um, we lost uh, PD had to go to school so we, he was in high school when we had the time. <laughs> so uh, he, and he was going away to college. So we got another drummer that was Andrew Black. Um, and we started touring basically all the time. And so from, that was like 98 and 1999. And then we made a plan at the end of 1999 to just do a world tour. Like I wanted to go everywhere and go as many places as possible to go. So we had a meeting at a restaurant and like uh, Thanksgiving break of school yeah. for for whoever was in school in the band uh and we were like this is the plan in the year 2000 we are going to go all over the world we're going to go to australia south america all over the u.s canada europe uh <laughs> and anywhere else that will have us right and and everyone was like that's the craziest thing i've ever heard because back then people didn't really do that um you know it's it's hard to imagine now but bands didn't used to tour nine months a year you know yeah. uh, and certainly not punk bands so, I mean, there were some, obviously, but, uh, so we, uh, so we did that. We basically, you know, I think on January 6th, our record came out. This was on the street, saving the scene from the forces of evil. And we, we did four different record covers and like, went crazy on all the merch and stuff. It was awesome. Um, and then we, we did, we did, we had a van and we did, uh, we toured, let's see, I'm trying to remember our actual schedule. I think we started in Europe. So we flew to Europe did it like a nine week European tour. We went from like Portugal, like UK to Italy, to Portugal, uh, to Finland or something like all, you know, four corners of Western Europe. Yeah. Um, I've never, ever been on a nine week tour again, but that was a, that was a long <laughs> tour. It was fantastic. We fly home, we tour around the U S I think we went through Canada and made it to the, to the West coast. We left our van in LA uh, at indecision records house. And we flew to uh, to Australia, did Australia, New Zealand, and Hawaii. Flew back to the U.S., got our van, toured down to Florida, oh. and then flew from Miami to South America. Did like Argentina, Brazil, and Chile. Then flew back to the U.S. Uh, our flight got canceled. We had to like scramble. We ended up flying to New York City, renting a car, and then driving to uh, Crazy Fest to, to play in Louisville. Yeah. I had no equipment or anything, and uh, the Stretch Armstrong <laughs> guy let us use their equipment. That was awesome. 
Um, yeah. And then Stefan stayed behind in in Bogota <laughs> all by himself uh, <laughs> and uh, flew back to Miami to get the van and met us in Kentucky. Um, it was crazy. Like, and then we went back to Europe and then we did more U.S. stuff. And it was like the whole year we were on tour, like the entire time. Oh, wow. uh, and then that was pretty much we pretty much did the same thing in 2001. So for the for most of 1999, all of 2000, and all of 2001, and some of 2002, we were on the road. So it was almost three years of nonstop touring. Like we didn't have anywhere to live or anything. It was just like we were on the road. It was pretty. Great. So how were the shows? Were the shows like all good shows, or were there some duds in there? Oh man, I mean, <clears throat> generally the shows were great, but yeah. like there was uh, you know a couple come to mind that were like. You know, Tuesday night in Medicine Hat, Canada. You know, <laughs> uh, so and if you don't know where Medicine Hat is, it's about uh, t- I don't know two hours uh, east of Calgary. And unfortunately, we were in Calgary and heading west, so we went back to Medicine Hat to play a show. But um, no, most I mean, generally the shows were great. You know, you can't really play that many shows everywhere and not have a few be not great. Mm-hmm. There was one. Uh, one that pops into mind, we we were playing in, in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, there was nobody there. Like, we get to the thing. I don't know if the promoter just hadn't promoted it or there are just no hardcore kids in Albuquerque at the time. Mm-hmm. Either could have been possible. Um, but there was, like, literally nobody there. So we're like, well, I guess we're just going to not play, right? And then right as we're, like, about to put our stuff away this woman gets out of her car she pulls up she gets comes in and she's like oh my god did i miss you and we're like no and she's like i just drove down from denver to see you play so we were like well crap we gotta play now so we literally played like one person um which is which was great it was it was a really fun show but no i mean we you know it was like uh Honestly, like it was, it was like a vacation kind of, you know, like some parts of it were, were a little stressful and difficult, but generally it was just a lot of fun. Some of the shows were, were huge. Some of the shows were smaller, but still just as fun. Um, but yeah, generally, you know, it was, I don't know that I needed to tour for another year, <laughs> but I definitely really enjoyed it. Yeah. That sounds cool. I mean, that's, I mean, if I was in a serious band, that's probably what I'd want to do, you know, just hit the road yeah. and freaking go. But or how, we're in a very unserious band. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Touche. So, 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 um, so I know you guys kept changing like members. Like, I think it was always different, like, set of people in Good Clean Fun. Like, pretty as it was that? <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was just the, the touring schedule was definitely not for everyone. So and, was and, there was there anyone who was like there the whole time? Like, yeah. Uh, so it was pretty much Mike Fight and I the whole time yeah. until the very later years, like like nineteen ninety nine through two thousand four, which is when we played like the majority of our shows. That was <laughs> me and Fight. Yeah, uh, and then just like a recurring, there was like a, a rotating door of recurring people that whoever was available would come on the tour with us. You know, like yeah. like. There, it's it's really interesting because there were there were a few. I think the people who who came through the band as members on different tours fell into a few distinct categories. Um, some were like just great musicians who were just free and wanted to tour, um, mm-hmm. didn't want to be like in a full time band that wasn't their own music, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's hard to it's hard to it was you know a bunch of college age people and stuff. It's hard to get people to like not want to like you know go to college and stuff. <laughs> you know i mean yeah. we weren't making any money or anything so it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like you know come on tour with us and be rich you know it was like yeah it's like hey you get to sleep in a van sometimes you won't get paid anything 
uh, but you'll get to travel the world. And so most people, a lot of people were like, you know, this is awesome. But then, you know, the third time you go to a country, it's less exciting than the first two times or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I loved it. I, I definitely met, I met so many interesting people. Like it was just like, it was really cool to kind of go to all these countries. And I think we, we played, I usually know the number off the top of my head, but I think it was like 40 countries or something. Um, it's on Wikipedia. <laughs> But oh, know, is it now? Yeah, yeah I put it. There. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it was like you know, thirty or forty countries, and it was just like everywhere we went, we had like a local to show us around and give us really like the flavor of the place, you know? Yeah. Like, like for instance, in Buffalo, we got to go to Mighty Taco because some locals, <laughs> were like, hey, you should check out Mighty Taco, you know? Mighty uh, freaking taco. <laughs> you have an opinion on Mighty Taco? Mighty Taco is is world renowned for being the most overhyped local place <laughs> from Buffalo likes at all. True, very true. True words that were never spoken. Accurate. Yeah, yeah. It was nice when it was really cheap, but now it's even it's even kind of yeah. expensive now. Like it used to be, like you get three tacos for like four bucks, and I was like, okay, cool, I can eat. <laughs> but it's just not good. It's like yeah. Tex Mex, but. Buffalo Tex Mex. <laughs> right. it's, it's, so there's bad. nothing Mex about it or Tex about it. It's just it's right. tacos. <laughs> Good times. But no, but I mean like like all jokes aside, it was really neat to like get taken around, you know, in hundreds of cities just by locals who knew, you know, you don't get that as just like a tourist, you know. Yeah, totally. That's what I thought was always cool about like hardcore is that like, you know, you go like I like back then, like you know, through the strange list, like I would meet people on strange list and like go sleep at their house oh, if I was going to a show in the in their city, which was awesome. Like, which yeah, which you would never do in regular life, you know. Like, oh, totally. I meet someone at the show, let me go sleep at their house. No, <laughs> they, they would probably kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it is it is really cool. Like it used to be, you know, back in the day, it was like I remember one time driving I, my first time in California. We were just like driving somewhere. Yeah. And we saw some kids standing at the side of the road in like youth of today shirts. Yeah. And we were like, hey, let's stop and say hello and hang out. And then we stayed at their house, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's just all it took back then. It was great. There's that's such an old hardcore thing, like seeing kids with hardcore t-shirts and like yeah. kind of oh. talking to them because they had hardcore shirts on. But yeah. nowadays it's a little bit different, but yeah. <laughs> you know. But anyway, okay, so hold on, hold on. Something something was sticking out to me, like you uh, said you played Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, we played. Yeah, uh, what was that like? Because they it was didn't, awesome. Did they have much of a hardcore scene there? Or was it yeah, like, man. I mean, yeah. it was like you know, it was like it wasn't like huge, but there was like uh, I, I'm trying to remember. So okay, the show was at a strip club during the day while it was closed. Nice, uh, because some punk kids' parents owned the club, oh, and nice. so, this was in Honolulu somewhere. So. We played, I think we played two shows. We were, we were there for a week, like, just kind of hanging out because it's Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, we played two shows. But it was, like, it was fun. And we met a lot of cool kids. And, uh, um, yeah, it was it was a really good time. It was, it was like, uh, you know, it was on our way because we were coming back from Australia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty neat. Just off the side of the road there, Hawaii, you know, on the way back from Australia. <laughs> I know, we LA for I mean, really, you fly right over home. I mean, right to this day, not many hardcore bands play in Hawaii. You know, it's just yeah, no, that's true. Unique, you know, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely really cool. Um, 
I, I tell this story like on every podcast I'm on, which is like three. So, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but this will be new to your audience. But uh, we used to try to just go everywhere. And so we were in New Zealand at like some like little town outside of Auckland. Like, I don't even know what the name of the city was. And, uh, and I'm like, it's so cool to be the first hardcore band to ever play here. And someone's like, nope, you're not. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's cool to be the first hardcore band from Washington, D.C. to play here. And they're like, nope. And I'm like, what? What? And I'm like, how is that possible? And and then everywhere we went, it was like, oh, Fugazi's already here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those guys just did, like, some amazing touring. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's not fair. They're freaking Fugazi. I'm not trying to compete with them. But, right. <laughs> but it was, it was just kind of funny because you could go anywhere and they'd already been there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but not, not many bands had, had toured Australia when we went there. Like, Strife had been um and i think like you know sick of it all had been and stuff like yeah. that but of yeah. like smaller bands i think i mean strife might have been the only like smaller hardcore band to ever go there as mm-hmm. far as when we went so you know that was exciting did you ever go to like china or japan never we actually had an asian tour booked we never made it we had a tour booked and then we had a flood and all our merch got destroyed and we were super broke and we couldn't afford <laughs> the trip so uh, so then it was really a shame because that would have uh, it gets really lame that we never we never made it to asia so something not like southeast asia either or anything like that no, like never never asia we we played in uh we played australia south america north america uh israel kind of counts as like you know if you get creative with like some uh some tectonic plates you know maybe <laughs> that counts as asia i don't know yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Europe. And we we never played in Africa. We never played in Antarctica, which was a dream of mine. Uh, and uh, and we never played in Asia. Do any hardcore bands play in Africa? Like, that seems like not yeah, a thing you, people you, do. There are bands that play in South Africa and, like, uh, yeah. I guess Johannesburg. But uh, we never made it down there. Yeah, it seems like... I think, like, that band Have Heart played, like, in South Africa or something. I, that's the only band I could think of that is actually, yeah. like, gone there and played. Yeah, like, yeah, there. yeah. yeah. Which is crazy, but you know, it's it's un it's untapped. It's an untapped the market, yeah. you know, Africa, <laughs> Africa core. <laughs> anyway, so it was um, so when did uh good clean fun like decide like when was it over? Is it even not? Is it not over today, or is it still? Is it over? Well, so we pretty much went with the song, you know, like uh, two thousand one, we broke up, but then. <laughs> 2002 we played some more shows and released the discography yeah uh, and then 2003 i don't think we I, I think according to the song we were supposed to sit back and count our money but that didn't take very long because <laughs> there wasn't really much money so yeah. um yeah and just to you know it's it's uh uncouth to to uh to throw out numbers but at the end of touring for three years i think we had 1200 dollars left in the band fund to split up wow <laughs> yeah so that's we were really rolling with the big bucks uh, and then we did play more shows in 2004 and mm-hmm. then uh and then we did a reunion tour in 2010 um it's okay. just like a couple weeks because we got a chance to go to russia which we'd never been to because of visa issues but mm-hmm. we finally actually got it to work and so we got to play in moscow which was super awesome um and uh and yeah so so that was it but no i mean Every once in a while, someone tries to get us to play something, like because reunions are so hip these days. Yeah, um, and I mean, I'm sure it would be fantastically fun for me at least, but it would just be so hard to actually pull off in terms of like practicing and like traveling and like you know, like 
once yeah. once you have kids and stuff, everything becomes more difficult. And so yeah. between like kids and having a company, it's kind of hard to uh, to even think about taking the time off to to do that. You know. So people have asked you to play. Yeah, I don't want to put anyone on blast, but okay. But <laughs> been, we've been asked to play a couple things, but well, that's uh, cool. so maybe someday. But I, I you're getting old, Isa. I'm super old. That's the other. <laughs> like it's not like. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's it's out of my system. Like it's not I'm not like going, man. I wish we could relive those glory days. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, like, yeah. In, in a lot of ways, like it'd be really fun. But it, like, okay, when we did the 2010 tour, mm. it was it was two weeks, and it was it was kind of crazy because this was right when that volcano was happening in Iceland that like shut down mm. here. So what happened is we were supposed to fly from DC to Germany. But we ended up getting diverted and stuck in, uh, where was it? In Not Barcelona, in Madrid, right? In Spain. Mm -hmm. And there was no flights to get us to Germany. So what we did was we rented the last car that was for rent in the airport, an Audi that cost us 1,500 euros <laughs> 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 to return to Germany. And it was a freaking German car. It was so annoying. Anyway, so <laughs> it was like, what, what could you do? Like capitalism, right? So- yeah. Last car, we piled all our stuff in the car and we drove overnight to Germany. So it was like day one, we flew overnight from DC to Spain. Day two, we drove overnight from Spain to Germany and then played a show that night. And then the next day, we flew to Russia, played a show. It was the most exhausting thing I've ever done in my life. But I really like, you know, we we spent all day walking around Moscow. None of us had ever been there before. And, you know, when are we going to be in Moscow again, right? So, yeah. like, you know, all the usual spots, Red Square, and, and what that's the only spot I can think of. But we walked mm -hmm. around, right? Um, we were so exhausted. Like, it was, like, insanely exhausting. And it was really fun. Like, we were all used to being tired. It wasn't really that big a deal. Um, but then at the end of it, like, you know, then we played, like, a couple really awesome shows. And then it was, like, then we had to play, a, you know, a Tuesday night again, right? So it's, like... Yeah. It's like what I realized was it would have been more fun to just go on vacation with my friends. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like it was like a great crew. We had a great time. Like we could have, we could have played one show and just gone on vacation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I hear that. Yeah. And obviously financially that would have been a very expensive vacation, but, yeah. uh, but you know, but I'm not like, Oh man, it's Tuesday night. I really want to be playing a show somewhere right now, you know? So yeah. I, you know, a lot of people like, I, you know, I love when people do reunions. I mean, like, it's not like anyone makes you go. If you don't, you know, like people, I don't understand why people get pissy about reunions. It's like, just don't freaking go, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if you, if you, if you want to go, go and have a great time. If you don't want to go, just shut up, you know? Yeah. I hear that. 100%. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, um, but, but, you know, and I appreciate all the different reasons why musicians want to, want to play reunion shows, you know? And yeah. I just, I don't have like the, I'm not like, oh, I've got to get my music out there. I'm not trying to write like new songs or anything. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not like, again, it's not like about reliving the glory days or whatever. Like I've, I feel like I've moved on to plenty of other fun things and you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it would be, it would still be fun. You know, it would be a great time. I'm sure. So yeah, you know, definitely. maybe yeah. not for the crowd, but for me, you know, it just sounds like, it sounds like you just, you don't miss it. Really? Well, I, I mean, I miss it in the way of like, uh, you know, I look back on all sorts of fun things I did in my youth and I'm glad I did them, but it's yeah. not like, uh, it's not like, 
you know, it's not like those were, I wouldn't say those were like the best days of my life or whatever, you know, yeah. like I really enjoy what I'm doing now. I really mm-hmm. like, I have plans to do exciting things in the future. I'm, you know, I'm not like hyper-focused on any one time period or whatever. Right. Right. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. But you know, more power to the people that, that bring their band back and do, and do fun stuff. I mean, there's like, you know, I, I mean, like, I think there have been like varying levels of success with bands coming back, you know, and, and it's, you know, I, I think sometimes it's, it works out great and everybody's happy and that's awesome. And other times I watch the live stream and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't go to that. <laughs> <laughs> Has there any been like anything that you went and saw that you've been like, yeah, that was awesome. Um, So I don't get out much. I mean, the pandemic kind of slowed my life down just like that much, you know, mm-hmm. Uh like I already wasn't doing anything before the pandemic. I've been <laughs> home for years, so it's not that wasn't new. Um, but so I, you know, I, I saw the seven second seven second circle jerks when they came through, um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of crazy because it's like I love seven seconds. I will always love seven seconds. They could they could sit in chairs and play a show, and I'd still have a great time. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, were they as good as they were? 30 years ago of course not, but that's okay <laughs> you know yeah. that's, not supposed to be that's fine you know yeah. uh the circle jerks i'd actually never seen before but i'd missed so this was like full circle for me because in 1986 i believe it was seven seconds and circle jerks toured together and they played in dc at the old 930 club and i had tickets but my ride canceled on me and i missed the show so mm-hmm. this was like 40 years later, me seeing the show that I was supposed to see when I was a teenager. So right. that was, uh, that was uh, maybe it was 1988. I can't remember, but it was sometime in the 80s, Circle Jerk Seven Seconds toured together and I missed it and spent like $80 on tickets because I was holding tickets for some of my friends. Uh, and then this jerk didn't drive. <laughs> I'm still so furious about it. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I saw that. That was fun. Um, I'm trying to think of other shows I've been to recently. I, I always try to see Youth of Today when, whenever they come through. They're always great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I I go to a few shows every once in a while. That's But, but I'm not like a, I'm not like a, I go to constant shows kind of person these days. Mm-hmm. Still out. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, like uh, most nights, you know, honestly, like, if I could go to a show, well, yeah. so I live like pretty far away from from like where the shows are in LA, so it's like yeah. a pretty far drive. And oh, like yeah. at a school night, I'm not trying to like stay out until midnight or one a.m. I hear you. The traffic, jeez. The traffic. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know. So, but no, every, every once in a while we make it out to the show. My, my wife's a hardcore kid too, and so we we make it out to the show every once in a while. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I still try to go myself. I mean, we both we both try to still go. Because, yeah. I mean, it's it's still fun. It's still something to do. So, you know, it's cool. Yeah, I'm always happy when I go to shows. Yeah. I just, the hassle of getting to them, you know, is like, like now, now we don't need a babysitter anymore, so it's a little easier, but it's still like, you know, what a headache, right? Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, you know, my kids are only with me on the weekends, so sometimes it's tough for me to go to shows because, like, yeah. Unless a show is like really like something I want to go see, I, I I'm not going to a show like while they're around. Like it's it's it just doesn't work that way in my world anyway. But yeah, so oh, totally. it's got it's got to be compelling for me to actually go and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, and, and yeah. again, you know, Mark and I have known each other for you know thirty something years at this point. I would say thirty years. Yeah. Let's call it something like um, that. 
And like we both used to do the dumbest things to go to shows. You know? <laughs> oh, like what? what? Like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, there's a fest that's uh, halfway across the country. Uh, and uh, we should go drive to it and we'll all stay at like a motel room floor or whatever. Yes, <laughs> we've definitely done that. Like, I've, yeah, we've definitely paid our dues to see shows. So it's kind of like hilarious having this conversation now. You know? Do kids do that anymore? Like, what do you think, Derek? Do kids like pile into hotel rooms anymore for, for like, for, yeah. for fest? I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah. You would, you would think, but also oh. like shows cost like, you know, fest costs like hundreds of dollars now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that used to be like twenty bucks. Back more, yeah. more of a reason to all pile in in one hotel room. I guess. Yeah. Seriously. But I mean, at my age, though, I'm not staying in a room with anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not on the floor. I'm not sharing a room. I'm like. good. I'll pay the. I'll pay the. I'll pay the fee and say and I could get my own room. I don't need to share a room with anybody. But I have no problem with that. I'll sleep on the floor still. Oh my god! I'll remember I'll that, Derek. In the morning, but if we go somewhere, I'll remember that. Yeah, yeah. we go somewhere. Derek has floor. Exactly. I'll sleep, I'll sleep anywhere. <laughs> I like I like the uh, the uh, the wonderful comforts of uh, a room. Although, yeah, whatever. We we I, I don't think I've stayed in a hotel room with like friends like in a long, long time. Yeah, like a long well, time. I used to. Uh, I used to. This is like about to get super unpunk, and I'm just going to apologize in advance, everyone. If you're a punk, punk purist, stop listening. But I used to travel for work a bunch, and my company stayed at Hyatt's. Yeah, and so I got all these like free points at Hyatt's. Yeah, and like, I am so spoiled by nice hotel rooms now. Like <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Like I used to, and it was like it's all like this is like the most messed up thing about our society is like when you have money, people just give you stuff for free. Right. Like, <laughs> like I stayed at all these Hyatt hotels for free. Yeah. I used to pay to stay at like motel six or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's just like, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, I, I, it just, it drives me crazy. I'm still like, uh, you know, I'm a punk at heart and I'm very upset that, uh, that our world works the way it does, you know. <laughs> so yeah. that bother me, but I also yeah. am not willing to sleep at a crappy mattress. And a <laughs> yeah. yeah, my dog's in the room, but like when I go, like I go to a convention once a year for work, and like I just love like not having the dogs around for three days. It's like the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Roxy, but I, I just love not having the dogs around because the dogs dominate the bed in the house so it's it's what yeah it is. so yeah i i enjoy a good hotel room myself yeah so, so there you go yeah, i don't think i've stayed like i mean whenever i go like for work like we stay in like a nice hotel but like i don't think i've stayed like in a crappy hotel like in a long time yeah no i actually stayed in a crappy hotel not too long ago but you know like if i'm paying for it i'm still cheap so like I'm, yeah yeah but like with price line and stuff you can get a good hotel room yeah. for, for, pretty, no, for, for pretty cheap these days so it's it's that's true that's it's, it's all out there but anyway so what's the last record you bought <laughs> yeah uh honestly couldn't tell you i haven't bought a record in forever not even like, like a like a mainstream record or nope. I still listen to the exact same bands I listened to in the 1980s. Like my so okay. I've I've expanded my repertoire over the years a little bit, but yeah. not like um so non-hardcore, it's been the cure of the Smiths, Depeche Mode, uh, and like you know, maybe U2 or something, although they yeah. I haven't kept up with them, right? Um those have been my favorite bands and I don't listen to their new albums. Like, and I consider new albums when they came out in like 1993. Right. Yeah. So 
I added the the new bands that I like are like Nirvana and the Smashing Pumpkins. Right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's sort of like to me, I think of that as new music. Um, you know, like I I I listen to like turnstile and stuff, and like I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know that I've necessarily put it on like I've never put on like the record on purpose or whatever, but I've like YouTubed a couple songs or something, you know, like yeah. something come up on Spotify or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I really don't. Uh, you know, there are probably a couple, a couple new hardcore bands that I've that I've been like, okay, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, I really like Torso. That's like yeah. one of the oh, few yeah. things that that is really uh, you know. And I'm not. It's not like I go out and listen to everything and I pick a couple things that I mm-hmm. like. It's yeah. Just like I happen to hear that and like you know, um, I probably couldn't name ten new hardcore bands. In my- yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember I was <laughs> I was in an airport and I saw someone with like a knocked loose patch on their backpack or yeah. something like that and I was like I'm almost positive that's a hardcore band. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind they're, they're kind of a hardcore band. They're like they're, I, I would say they're a metalcore band. Would be said there. Yeah. yeah. Or they're a metal band that plays hard plays with hardcore bands. I guess. But they're okay. I mean, I mean oh. you know, hardcore so broad now. It, yeah. it, I guess yeah. they're a hardcore band, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, but I, I'm, but just to drive the point home, I mean, like, like Seven Seconds, Youth of Today, Uniform Choice, like all the bands that were my favorite bands when I was a kid are still my favorite bands now. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I would say, like, the classic band or the bands I listened to when I was really into hardcore are still, like, the bands that, like, I like, I might listen to some new bands, but I wouldn't say that they're over there because they can't be because that was our youth. Yeah. So that exactly. they can't they can't be better than like the bands. Yeah, nothing will like. ever be better than those bands. Yeah. Like even the and shit like the bands who weren't really that good, but they were good and you know right. when we were kids, you know, that's yeah. it's, it's yeah, what totally. it is. I mean Buffalo Buffalo had a great scene. You guys had like Snapcase and Despair, and like there were a lot of good bands from Buffalo. Despair yeah. just played a reunion show like uh three weeks ago. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they got back together and played with integrity and some other bands. Sweet. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um were you with that? Cleveland Fest that Integrity played. Were you there? The Cleveland Fest was that the Riot Fest. Was that when One Life Crew played? Yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah, I was there. I yeah. uh yes. <laughs> were you, were you one of the people uh, who hiding the uh, the the guilty party? <laughs> uh, yes, actually, I I, I was. Uh, he hid in my car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I see, I seem to remember you being a part of that somehow. <laughs> We don't mention the guilty party's name, but he what he did took a lot well, of balls. He wasn't so, guilty. He was awesome. Yeah, it took a lot yeah. of balls to do what he did. So I yeah, shout totally. out shout out to that dude. Yeah. <laughs> I know. mean maybe we maybe should tell more of the story because like a lot of people listening don't know what you guys are talking about. Uh, good so, idea. Yeah, no. So one life crew plays and they have all their dumb racist stuff. I don't even remember why. I you know, I'm not gonna go into one life crew or whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh uh, this awesome friend of ours named Rich, who uh, who we also know from the Straight Edge list, right yeah. back he just stood in the middle of the pit and gave them the finger, and yeah. they tried to kill him. <laughs> Pretty much, I was right by Rich. He was like jumping up and giving the middle finger. He was just like yeah. in there, in freaking Mean Steve's face, yeah. just like like fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I don't know, I don't know if anyone actually said kill that kid or whatever, but that's basically <laughs> what tried to happen. Yes. And so, uh, you know, and it was like it, it was definitely one of those shows where it was like. There were a bunch of small 
hardcore kids and then there were a bunch of like big tough guys right like yes yes and it was it was not like a, this is going to actually be a fight right? no <laughs> kids would get pummeled <laughs> yeah so so he he uh managed to escape and hid in my car or van or whatever i was there in yeah uh, and he's an awesome dude and uh yeah good times yeah that was that was a crazy thing that happened and the show still went on which is crazy like and the next day of the fest happened. I feel like today that wouldn't have happened. I feel like it would have been like done. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Let it's it go home. Weird. I feel like I feel like I don't know if that even happens these days anymore. I don't I'm so out of touch. I don't want to make any broad statements, you know. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think massive like fights happen at shows anymore. Yeah. Like they did back then. We had a show here right right, right. were you that show at that integrity show in Rochester, Derek? Way yeah. back. Yeah. So there was a show. Was it ninety six or ninety seven? I don't freaking know. I want to say that was ninety seven. So integrity played in Rochester, and we it's we always went. integrity, man. What the hell? <laughs> but we went, <laughs> and like we go to the show. It's in some like I don't know what what kind of place is that? Like like just some hall. It's a hall. Yeah. Was, yeah. And like when integrity came to play, like like a bunch of Nazis marched out of the basement, like like freaking Nazis, like a anti racist action got the hell out of there. There was they packed up their shit and left. The fact that their shit and left, but I mean, kids <laughs> were dancing you? hard and stuff. But like, I think at the end there were some skirmishes and stuff. I remember my friend Leslie like throwing shit at, at skinheads and stuff, and right. it was a good time. <laughs> Nazis, like it's it's always like hilarious to me that like you know there's a song on Start Today about Nazis, right? Yeah, <laughs> and right. like kids today don't even like. I don't think they really realized that there were like straight up Nazis at shows, you know? Yes. Like, yes. like, you know, it's just, it's so crazy. Like, it's like, what the hell is wrong with people? <laughs> there was a show, there was a show here in Buffalo at the Warp Tour. Remember that Warp Tour story, Derek? Where I, I, I know the story. I wasn't there, but yeah. Yeah. Like, there was Nazis at the Warp Tour and like a bunch of hardcore kids like just destroyed them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> Like that, out their windows in their car. They had to like escape. Yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy. Like because I mean, it's the only way to deal with them. I mean, I feel like I'm the most like you know pacifist dude around, but that's just the only way they get dealt with. You know? Yeah, those yeah. guys are those guys are just there to cause issues. So you know, I guess you know, I guess that's how it goes. Anyway, so here's a, here's a final like not a final question, but like so. You know, you're into hardcore, you know, you're you're a person of color. Like, how did like like how did your family like react to what you're into? Like what what is their like take on like what you're into? Because I know in my family, like no one understands what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> so. so all right. So the it's tough for me to answer that question because I have a very small family. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not like uh you know, so my sister also went to shows in DC back in the day with me. Yeah. Um, like it was kind of cool because she's she's younger, and I I dragged her to a bunch of shows. Like she saw Judge and stuff, and back mm. in the day. so she yeah. gets like steam cred for that. Or whatever, yeah, you know? but she was like more adjacently involved in hardcore, and, and then mm. she went off to college and sort of got into other stuff. Um, so she she thought it was fine. She thought it was hilarious. She thought it was especially funny that I used to hang out with Harry Krishna's like that yes. drop, you know, because it's like what. <laughs> <laughs> like, like where did that come from right so uh in fact i there's a a sample on the, one of the good clean fun records of her uh leaving a, an actual answering machine message that my little sister left on my answering machine back when those were like tapes yeah um about me hanging out in the harry krishna temple or whatever uh yeah. that that's like a real message so uh 
yeah so so my sister was like she grew up in it that was fine my mother uh so I, you know before i could drive i would i would always be the 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 dj in the car like who, yeah. who very rudely forced my mother to listen to whatever i wanted to and now i laugh every time my kids make me listen to like black pink or whatever whatever the <laughs> kids are the taylor swift or whatever. Yeah, yeah black pink my daughter likes that too <laughs> they're awesome <laughs> yeah uh, so just to jump back to new music so i i you know for me new music is nirvana and the special pumpkins but through my kids i i have to listen to a lot of like Katy Perry, who I really like, um, and uh, Taylor Swift and Blackpink and you know, <laughs> a few other people that I don't. And new rappers who are just not good. I just don't get it. <laughs> we don't even have to get into that. But um, but it's like, I, you know, I play them like Public Enemy and stuff. I'm like, I'm like, this is how you're supposed to rap. You know, none of that mumble. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. off topic. But uh, so my, my, so I used to listen to music in the car and I, I got into The Clash and The Sex Pistols. And then I switched to like hardcore. And one day my mom just turned to me in the car and she goes, I used to like the music you used to listen to. What <laughs> happened to the Sex Pistols? You should listen to the Sex Pistols. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was, I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, there's like, I mean, the, the yeah. So there's not, my family's just not big enough to have a good answer to that question. You okay. know what I mean? So yeah. Um, but it is it is definitely weird. Like I, I always hung out in very different worlds. Yeah. Um, like I said in in Atlanta when I had a recording studio, it was like it was like punk rock, and then it was hip hop, and it was yeah. like never the two shall meet. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just two very different worlds. Yeah, I had brought my brother to a TSOL show. He came to visit me like back in the nineties, and he saw someone wearing a Dead Kennedy shirt. He was like, he's like, that's in poor taste. <laughs> that was his reaction to the shirt. <laughs> like you have no idea. <laughs> like, that's a band, bro. What <laughs> one last thing I want to talk about? The good clean fun movie. Wasn't there a oh. good clean fun movie? Let, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so that was my favorite thing that I've ever done. And it's awesome. it's really <laughs> funny to talk about because it was like by almost any measure it was a complete fiasco, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like let me count the ways that it was a fiasco, right? Like a, I didn't know anything about making a movie, um, but how hard can it be, right? I mean, in, in my defense, I have seen way worse movies, right? Yeah. So if we put aside that I didn't know how to write a movie, uh, I also didn't know how to finance a movie. Yeah. Uh, all the other stuff was easy, right? Like I learned how to edit a movie. Um, you know, I learned how to score a movie and do soundtrack stuff and all this stuff. Like that was like, that was fine. Like I had no problem with that stuff. But yeah, like uh, if I could go back and do it again with everything I learned by the end of it, it would have been a great freaking movie. Uh, <laughs> as it is, I feel like there are, it's hard to be objective, but I feel like there's like, a, there's some good stuff in there, um, but it gets completely murdered by the fact that I didn't realize that you couldn't just have like a group of people sit in a room and talk to each other for 10 minutes as a scene. Uh, <laughs> so, so that is so boring, right? Yeah. Like, so, um. I don't know. I don't know if either of you guys have actually watched it. You could be honest. Like, I have. No, I have, but not in a long time. But I have like, okay, actually watched so it. I, I do own it. I've only so what you want to do is you want to like kind of skim through it. Yeah. And you want to be sure to watch a few key scenes that are like I sort of feel like I make movies like Zack Snyder makes movies, right? My my one movie is like a Zack Snyder movie. My theory on Zack Snyder is that he thinks of a cool scene. And he's like, oh, it'd be so awesome if like this happened, right? Yeah. And he thinks of something pretty cool. But then he 
he so he has like a few scenes that are going to be pretty cool scenes and then he just puts whatever has to happen to make those scenes happen no matter how ridiculous it is you know yeah. uh, whatever right um so i feel like it sort of ended up like that like there is a story i think it's sort of sweet whatever but it's so poorly told but there are a few things there are interviews with hardcore people in it that i think are hysterical and i i'm so appreciative of them for all do, volunteering to do it you know um <laughs> sorry i know i'm like laughing at my own joke but it really you know like like i tried to think of like what every hardcore band is known for and then have them say so the plot of the movie if you're not unfamiliar is that there's a band called the good clean funds and they are they've blown up and become like the biggest band in the world right and so the the really the the rest of the movie is like a love story between two people whatever it doesn't really involve the band but the parts that are about the band being a big band i still laugh about to this day like like uh you know i got uh i got andy hurley from fallout boy to talk about how big the, the good clean funds are like the <laughs> i got i got carl from earth crisis to talk about how good clean fun laid the moral foundation for all hardcore. <laughs> uh, you know i got porcel to say that we were like i'm like a spiritual guru to him <laughs> Like, I mean, it was awesome, you know, and like, uh, uh, you know, Aaron from Bane said we sell a lot of t-shirts, you know, it was, it was, it was great. I, I'm so happy with that. And I think you should just fast forward to that scene. Uh, and a couple other, there are a couple other kind of funny things, I think, but you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I had so much fun making it. Like it was so fun to do. It was sort of like being on tour, but like even better. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to make more movies. Like that was sort of like my plan was like, now I'm, now I'm a filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> then that was right when my daughter was born and I had to get a real job. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, timing, what are you going to do? Right. Um, yeah. So, but I've, I've, you know, I've written a few scripts in the, in the, in, I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so it's sort of like obligatory. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to maybe someday get back into that or something. But mm -hmm. uh, movie's free on YouTube, so you know if anyone wants to check it out. If you get bored, just fast forward a little bit, and you know if something looks like it might be funny, check it out. So <laughs> we'll definitely leave a link in the in the the video the uh, the podcast description, so so people can check it out and enjoy themselves. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it tonight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you got anything else, Derek? No, no, I'm good. Yeah, that was that was, that was awesome. fun, guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having me on. Here, here's a quick question: Are you still vegan? I am still vegan, of course. Nice. Like, the, whole, the whole family's vegan, so good time. Yeah. The the funniest thing about uh, having kids and being vegan is every doctor's appointment when they were babies went exactly like this. It went <laughs> it went. Oh, they're so healthy. She looks great. Everything's perfect. She's doing great. Uh, yeah, no no problems whatsoever. She's fantastic. Uh, like, and then they find out we're vegan, and they're like, "Oh man, we better run some tests." Yeah, <laughs> like that was pretty much like how it went every time. It was so funny, so predictable. Every time we had a new doctor, um, no, it's yeah. I, I think uh, I mean we didn't really talk about any of the the ethical stuff of hardcore in, in this in this conversation, but like you know, like straight edge. Obviously, I've been straight edge my whole life. I mm -hmm. would be straight edge. I think if I'd never heard of hardcore, I was just never interested in that stuff. Yeah, and you know, most people are no longer straight edge. I'm totally cool with that. I don't care. But veganism is awesome. And I'm so glad that I got exposed to vegetarianism, veganism, and hardcore. And and I hope that people are still, uh, st if they take one thing away, I hope that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. If I'm not vegan, but I'm still a vegetarian, but you know, oh, I'm, still, I'm I'm still straight edge. 
I still hope to be vegan. Well, I one just day. gave a whole speech about how who cares if you're still straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, Mark, go vegan again. You're from Buffalo. That's practically Syracuse. Yeah. Practically, yes. Practically. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, it's, it's so easy you, to be vegan now, Mark. Just seriously, it's so easy. Yeah. Like back in the day, man, we had to drink Eden Soy, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you had to drink the carton of Eden Soy, and then you got like two inches of chalk at the bottom. Like <laughs> nowadays, you can just walk into any grocery store and get all sorts of vegan options. It's crazy. It is a crazy world. It is a crazy world, but it's cool. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe this will be the year, my fiftieth year. Uh, I'll, oh, go yeah. I'll go vegan. <laughs> but anyway, awesome. you heard it here first. <laughs> anyway all right thank you isa for coming on and uh yeah thanks guys we'll uh hopefully see you somewhere soon yeah i'm sure you will there's yeah, uh you know there'll be some show that we'll we'll all be at i'm sure we'll see him on good clean fun the movie too <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right you have a good night sir take care guys thank you all right. thank Peace. you